Hey, this is Dr. John Day, and welcome to the Get Your Life Back in Rhythm podcast. This is podcast episode number 322, the 11 worst medications for causing atrial fibrillation. Could one of the medications you are taking actually be causing your AFib? Over the years, I've seen a number of patients either significantly decrease their AFib episodes or even put their AFib into remission for just a few years by getting off of an AFib-causing medication. For those who needed a particular medication, catheter ablation was very helpful in eliminating the AFib so that they could then continue to take their necessary medication. So without delaying too long, let's jump into my 11 worst medications causing atrial fibrillation. Number one on the list, diuretics. With the exception of perhaps spironolactone, which is also called aldactone or triamterine, diuretics in general can be problematic for atrial fibrillation patients. The reason is that most diuretics are a well-known cause of mineral depletion in the body. Depletion of those key minerals, especially potassium and magnesium, is often enough to trigger atrial fibrillation. Number two, NSAIDs or non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs can also induce AFib. NSAIDs are relatively common drugs like ibuprofen and naproxen, which are often used to fight pain and inflammation. NSAIDs are particularly troublesome for AFib patients because they also increase the risk of heart and kidney failure. For those who are also on a blood thinner, NSAIDs increase the risk of an emergency room visit for a life-threatening gastrointestinal bleed. Number three, proton pump inhibitors. Proton pump inhibitors, which suppress stomach acid, can also cause atrial fibrillation by blocking magnesium absorption or possibly by changing a person's gut microbiome. These drugs include amiprazole, lansoprazole, pantoprazole, which are often sold under the brand names Prilosec, Prevacid, and Nexium, respectively. Number four, steroids. Steroids like prednisone and solumedrol can cause atrial fibrillation too by raising blood glucose levels to very high levels and increasing blood pressure through fluid retention and weight gain. Over my career, I've seen many cases of even steroid injections triggering AFib. Number five, any stimulant. Cardiac stimulant medications like albuterol inhalers or theophylline for asthma have long been associated with AFib. Even over-the-counter decongestants such as pseudoephedrine, which is sold as Sudafed, or medications for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder can also trigger an AFib attack. The bottom line is that anything that revs up the cardiovascular system also has a chance of revving up your AFib. Number six, digoxin, diltiazem, verapamil, and beta blockers. Perhaps a bit counterintuitively, some of the very same classic drugs used to treat abnormal heart rhythms, such as digoxin, calcium channel blockers, such as verapamil and diltiazem, and even beta blockers, have all been associated with an increased risk of AFib. While the exact mechanism whereby these drugs may increase the AFib risk aren't entirely clear, plenty of cases have been documented in the medical literature. We've even seen beta blockers, which are also often used to treat AFib, linked to AFib episodes due to associated weight gain, particularly in women. Number seven, fish oil. As many readers know, there is prescription strength fish oil like Lovaza, as well as over-the-counter fish oil. Prescription strength fish oil is used to treat high triglycerides, whereas the over-the-counter version is used to treat a myriad of complaints. Regardless of which form it is, 
fish oil has now been implicated as a potential cause of AFib. If fish oil has been particularly helpful for you, try keeping the dose under one gram per day to minimize the risk of AFib. Or alternatively, you can do what I've now done and go back to eating wild caught fish high in omega-3s instead of taking a supplement. Interestingly, since stopping fish oil for myself, I've noticed a lot fewer palpitations. Number eight, antiarrhythmics like amiodarone, flecainide, and propafenone. Another surprise to many readers is that the antiarrhythmic drugs, the very ones that are supposed to prevent AFib, have also been linked to AFib. For example, amiodarone, is well known to cause hyperthyroidism or an overactive thyroid, which can then result in AFib. Flecainide and propafenone both slow the sodium electrical channels in the heart, which in some cases may trigger AFib. It is also well known that these three antiarrhythmics may also increase the risk of atrial flutter, which could be even worse than the original AFib. Number nine, antidepressants. If depression wasn't bad enough, one study showed a threefold increased risk of atrial fibrillation when starting an antidepressant. Fortunately, much of this risk goes away after you've been on an antidepressant for more than a month and then declines even further after you've been on the antidepressant for a year. Like many of the other drugs that I, we've gone over on this podcast today, antidepressants alter the electrical conduction channels of the heart. Number 10, opiates. As if it weren't bad enough that so many people are dying from opioid painkillers, the AFib risk has been reported to be up to four times higher in people taking these drugs. And just as opiates change the electrical properties of the heart to cause long QT and cardiac arrest, they can also rewire your heart to trigger AFib. Number 11, too much vitamin D. When you do talk to your doctor, make sure that you don't forget to mention any supplements you are taking. People don't always think of vitamins and supplements as drugs, but just like any form of therapy, these substances should only be taken for the right reasons and at the right doses. One of our studies, for example, found that the risk of developing atrial fibrillation was two and a half times greater among individuals who are also taking excessive amounts of vitamin D. Should you panic if one of your medications is on this list that I've just discussed? Just because a medication you take might be associated with AFib doesn't mean it shouldn't be taken. All medications have potential side effects after all. The very best way to make decisions about the medications you have been prescribed is in consultation with your doctor. Under no circumstances should you ever come off a drug that you have been prescribed on your own volition. You should always do so in consultation with your physician. If you have an atrial fibrillation diagnosis or if you have concerns that AFib might be on your horizon, you should immediately engage in a conversation with your doctor about all of the medications you are taking, both regular prescriptions and once in a while over the counters. You don't have to wait for an appointment to start gathering the information you need though. The common and less frequently known side effects of all medications and supplements are available from a variety of reputable sources, including the US FDA and a simple internet search for AFib, and then the name of the drug or the supplement you are taking, and then you can quickly at least get a, a rough idea of whether there is a possible connection. Consider an ablation. If there is a particular medication on this list that we've been talking about today that is very helpful for you, and you can't give it up, and you feel like it may be causing your AFib, catheter ablation can be a very effective way to get rid of the AFib problem. Indeed, catheter ablation in conjunction with a healthy lifestyle, 
including weight control, is often curative for our patients as we've gone over many times in our book, The AFib Cure, which by the way is still selling well. We're still often in the top 10 uh, on Amazon, even though the book's been out about 10 months now. If you haven't read it, it's a great read. This ablation procedure takes less than two hours to perform at our hospital, and patients usually go home three hours later. There's no cutting, there's no stitches with the procedure. Five days later, most of our patients are able to return to full, hardcore exercise at the gym. If you want to see me or one of the other cardiologists specializing in AFib at our practice, please call my team at 801-266-3418. Unfortunately, we can't do any telemedicine visits outside of the state of Utah, as I only have a medical license to practice in the state of Utah. Thank you. I know that was a mouthful. We went over the 11 worst medications for causing atrial fibrillation. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed it, tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a family member, tell somebody. And until next time, keep living better.